Hello, hello, and welcome to the first in a brand new season of 43% and Rising, the podcast about women in marketing. I'm your host, Beatrice Alabaster, and I've been getting together with some game-changing women in the industry to hear all about their experiences of what it takes to rise to the top. 43% and Rising is brought to you by Ernest, the award-winning agency chasing the humdrum out of B2B marketing. Today, I'm talking to Christy McCarley, an email marketing expert and the founder of Pure Firefly. You're going to hear Christy's first-hand experiences on the roller coaster that is starting and running your own business, as well as what she calls empathetic marketing, which is all about how to understand the priorities and challenges of your clients on a deeper human level so that you can tell more compelling stories. Hi, Christy. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing fine. Good, good, good. Um, And you're joining us from Atlanta, is that right? Yes, I am in Atlanta. Very nice. We're going going global on 43%. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. Oh, no, you're very welcome. Thank you for coming. Um, Just to get started, I wonder if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do. I am the owner and founder of a digital marketing agency in Atlanta called Pure Firefly. And we specialize in email marketing. Uh, We also do some brand marketing, but email marketing is is our primary specialty. Um, We have uh, a lot of uh, MailChimp clients. We work a lot with MailChimp. And I'm also on the MailChimp Customer Advisory Board. Uh, We also do work with clients on email marketing strategy, um, which is not platform dependent. So any number of platforms we work with to help clients come up with uh, their email marketing strategy. Fantastic. And how did you get into the marketing industry, first of all? How did you kind of come about that as your your passion? I, I think I've always been curious about what motivates uh, consumers to make purchases. And so that has always been um, just kind of a fascination for me. I, I studied that kind of and as an amateur. And then as I continue to work in the tech industry and marketing and tech sort of converged, you know, about 20 years ago, it started to converge. These would be very separate industries. And then, you know, now everything is pretty much all digital. So um, as that was happening, I found that I could take my love of technology and also marry it with my fascination with, you know, consumer psychology. And then, you know, so the marketing just seemed like the natural progression. Absolutely. And how did you kind of build up that, that specialist knowledge in, in, you know, in tech in particular? I I think I probably learned the fastest when I I started a business about 10 years ago. I launched a a product and um, a series of videos, and I needed to learn very quickly how to uh, market my own products on a very lean budget. So it required me to learn very quickly. Um, unfortunately, you know, that can be an expensive lesson <laughs> as a new <laughs> entrepreneur trying to, you're trying to learn so much so fast. 
in a short period of time and not run out of money. Um, so I, I think, you know, I had done some marketing work prior to that, but certainly that was kind of like, um, what do you call it? Baptism by fire. Uh, just <laughs> having to, to pick up so much so fast. And, and then after that, you know, after I, I moved on from that business, I decided that I wanted to help other entrepreneurs and small businesses kind of avoid a lot of the pitfalls I found myself in, in when I was, um, you know, selling my products. And I had learned so much technically um, and strategically, I had learned so much. And so I felt like that was probably the best use of my talent as sort of my next business and something that I would enjoy and feel like I was um, motivated by and, and kind of giving back to the community that I, you know, am also a part of. Sure. And as you said, it is, you know, it, it can be a trial by fire for small businesses. I mean, you know, doing so much on a relatively, you know, smaller budget or fewer people to help you out. I mean, like running a small business takes some guts, right? <laughs> and yeah, it, it does. And it's, I will say quite stressful. Um, <laughs> I yeah. I enjoy it. You know, there there are pros and cons. I I do enjoy being able to um, be such a driving force in my own destiny. I will say, um, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a big difference than working for a company. Um, that I, I do have a large. I, I influence, you know, the direction of where we go. And so that's, that's great. Um, but there is so much uncertainty and so many things that you try as a business owner that you, you know, you, you don't know, you don't know how it's going to turn out. And it's not, you don't have the safety or the comfort of knowing that, you know, no one, no job is guaranteed, but there is a difference in knowing that, you know, every two weeks you get a paycheck for a certain amount and it's going to be, deposit it into your account or get a check or however you get, you know, you get it versus, you know, having that, that hustle all the time to make sure that you are uh, keeping business and getting new customers. And it's just very, a very different lifestyle. So it does yeah. take some getting used to. Yeah, I can imagine. It sounds like a bit of a roller coaster. Yeah, it can be. It can <laughs> be. You get, I do. I think it takes time to get used to that um, so that your life doesn't become a roller coaster. Um, you know, that takes time, but, but there, you know, there's a lot of joy in it too. I, I love being able to choose who I work with. I love, uh, being able to work with other small business owners who, under, you know, we kind of understand each other. Um, I understand what they're going through, that their challenges are, what their objectives are. You know, there's not always a perfect match with clients, but certainly I think, that being in the same boat helps a lot because we just have that shared understanding. I think that goes a long way. Definitely. And, you know, how do you think that a small business's needs might differ in a digital marketing capacity compared with, you know, bigger, bigger businesses? I, I mean, you know, obviously budget is important. The, you know, that's yeah. money, <laughs> money makes the world go round still. And so, you know, being able to know how to maximize that budget is, I think, probably one of the biggest benefits of working with another small company 
Um, again, it's not always a perfect fit. The budget is not always a perfect fit. Um, but I do think that being um, a savvy marketer and knowing how to just stretch those dollars in ways that provide maximum benefit is, uh, you know, it's not, it's not always easy to find. And that's in any situation, right? I mean, like, you know, you're getting your kitchen remodeled or you're getting your car, <laughs> you know, your, your used car fixed, your old car fixed, you know, you're always trying to figure out how can I make the most of whatever I'm investing into this new project. And you like to think that the person that you're working with or that you're hiring is aware of that and, and trying to help you make, you know, get the most out of your dollar. So um, I, I don't think that's unique to, to small businesses, but I do think that it can be, you know, if you overpay your plumber, you know, it, it's not that big of a deal. You may, you know, lose a few dollars or lose several hundred dollars, but your plumbing is fixed in the end. And that is an investment in your life to make sure that the water works. Um, if you overpay your marketer or you overpay your developer, I mean, that could literally put you out of business depending, if you're not careful with how you spend your money and making sure that the investment is worth it and you get your the value. So um, I think in that sense, it's a, it's a little bit different. Of course. And it sounds like, you know, it sounds like you, as you've said, have been in the shoes of small business. And therefore, that that empathy to understand exactly that mindset and what they're going through is is really important to what you do now. Yeah, I, I totally think that, and I think that um, in general, uh, my my marketing philosophy is empathy. So e- even in the projects that I get the most joy <laughs> um, <laughs> out of, it are projects where we are working with a client to tell their story. And understanding, you know, the founder or how the, the, what drove the owners to create this business or what drives the team to continue working in this business or for this company, uh, testimonials, those kinds of things. I think all of that helps create a sense of empathy with the readers, with the, those that are reading the emails. So, um, yeah, I, I think I am definitely the empathetic marketer, <laughs> all the way, all the way around. That's a good, uh, that's a good bio tagline or something. The empathetic marketer, I like that. <laughs> I yeah. like that a lot. I didn't think I thought about that before, but yeah, I might use that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> when it came to founding your business, I mean, what specifically prompted that move to go? Okay, now's the time. Like, this is my time to kind of start my own agency. I don't think that it was a conscious, it wasn't a conscious decision to start an agency. I mean, starting out, it was, you know, kind of what I, what do I do next? So, you know, I had another business, that business um, was great and had, you know, some, some high periods and, and, but it came to, um, you know, it came to kind of its natural transition period. And so I was trying to figure out what to do next. And then I, you know, as I mentioned, I just thought, well, I learned a lot from that other business. So what do I do next? And how do I use the skills that I, that I learned and that I've become really good at this thing that I've become really good at. And, and then it was, okay, we were, I was getting so many requests and um, for just projects, Uh, a lot of email marketing requests, a lot of projects. And 
I just had to make a decision. Am I going to um, start telling people, no, I can't take this project and start just declining and saying no to work? Or am I going to try to grow this thing and see, would it be possible to take on more clients if I brought in other staff? And so that just seemed like a logical next step for me. Uh, I, I like a challenge. I like to try new things. And I had not, I've never run an agency before. So um, being able to bring in other staff and, and that, you know, has its challenges too, but um, just trying to bring in new staff and see, you know, how, how far we can take this thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it just it seemed like the, the logical next step. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting to hear how your business kind of grew so organically. You're in quite a kind of technical space within marketing, you know, email, digital. How, from just from your personal experience, how well represented do you think that women are in that space generally? You know, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, I, I, I was really fascinated by the, the 43% title because um, I think especially working remotely, you know, it, it's, you kind of, it's almost like a bubble a little bit. Um, yeah. And so we, you know, I go to conferences and I go to uh, just events locally just to make sure that I'm out in the world and, <laughs> can, um, you know, really, and, I, and I, of course I read a lot, but, um, you know, from, from my perspective and being a remote worker, and having lots of connections to other remote workers, it feels like there is a lot of representation. Um, when I look at the stats, though, that doesn't necessarily always gel with my own personal experience. Um, mm. Because I think I, I do have a circle of women marketers that I you know interact with a lot and that I meet all the time. So... Um, yeah, so I, I don't know that I have the best answer for that, or at least the most uh, accurate. <laughs> you know, I, my, I don't have my finger on the pulse of that too much. And I, and I stay pretty active in women's groups, marketing groups. Um, I, and when I say stay active, I mean, I'm, I'm not like a leader or anything, mm. but I do, um, you know, I'm in the groups, the LinkedIn groups, the Facebook groups, you know, and I'm, I, interact within our own uh, MailChimp partner community quite a bit. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know if that was a good answer. <laughs> no, it was, <laughs> it's really good. I mean, do you know yeah. what? It's, it's really positive to hear that you do have access to that kind of community of marketers and that you don't feel kind of, you know, although, as you say, you are a remote worker and it can sometimes feel like you're in a bubble, you do still have that, you know, interesting network of voices that you can kind of fall back on. Yeah, yeah. I'm, and I'm very grateful grateful for that because I think being remote, um, if you don't have the connections and the uh, virtual relationships, then it can get to be, um, it can be stressful. It can be stressful and it can be, uh, I think, lonely a little bit. And so I think whether it's, you know, in-person or virtual relationships are important and um, just having a network of support, professional support is, is always important either way. I like to balance the remote support with in-person. That's why I go to conferences. And, um, you know, sometimes I speak at conferences or speak at other events or just get out and meet people at the, 
the coffee machine at the co-working place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, you know, I think it's, I think a healthy balance is needed, but, um, but yeah, I have a, I have a pretty good support system, I have to say. Definitely. And that's, you know, it is so important. Obviously, we've all just been through a pretty big <laughs> global pandemic where right. those those in-person things weren't so possible. And I don't know about you, but for me, it's really kind of instilled or reinforced the value of actually being able to make those kind of in-person connections, even when tech enables us to do so much. Yes, yes. I, you know, am an introvert. And so I... Um, didn't realize how much the in-person, you know, as an introvert, you kind of crave those times when it is just you, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, those quiet times where you can be alone and be quiet with yourself and get work done and all that is great. But yeah, during the pandemic, I realized that there's a big part of me that still um, enjoys the the in-person interaction. And so, yeah, balance is is important. (laughs) Definitely, definitely agree. Um, and you mentioned, you know, you speak at a lot of events, you've got a lot of, you know, a kind of big range of clients. Digital marketing can be, you know, quite a technical subject matter sometimes to communicate to less technical audiences. In what, in your experience, what are some good ways to kind of make digital feel more accessible and more easy to understand? Wow, that is a good question. Um, I, you know, that, I think that is just kind of ongoing technology changes so quickly, um, so fast. And, and so I, I am constantly trying to learn new things cause I, I love to learn. Like I'm, I love to read. I love to learn new technology. Um, and I'm always trying to pick up new things and, and understand them, kind of pull them apart and then put them back together. So I've been doing that since I was a kid, you know, just taking random things apart and trying to figure out how to go, how to put it back together. And, and I feel like as you figure out how to put things back together, you, you discover other ways of putting it back together. And that, that translates to teaching other people. So um, if you understand the parts, then it's easier to explain it to somebody else. Um, the trick is understanding the parts because the parts change <laughs> all the time. And I find myself even now, like I, when the, the menu changes, like on the TV or we get a, like a new box or something, I'm just, you know, I give it to my daughter, like, please, can you just figure this out? Cause I can't take over. It's, it's just too much. Yeah. It's too much. Um, so I, I think, you know, for me, it's just constantly trying to stay abreast of different technologies and you can't learn everything because there's just too much out there and it's changing all the time. But, um, you know, picking a few that you can learn really well and that you can stay on top of and then um, being able to teach others. um, I I don't know. I think I've been a natural teacher too. I've been teaching for, I taught at a college level for several years. And even before that, I did a lot of technical training. So I think there's always been something in me who enjoyed explaining complex uh, matters in, in very simple, easy to understand terms. I've, I've always gotten some joy out of that too, in, in helping to empower other people to make decisions. And, um, you know, this tech stuff, it can get very 
difficult to understand. You know, it's like when uh, my accountant tries to tell me all these terms and I'm like, what, <laughs> what, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'll kill you. you know, it's like, you know, and I, I, uh, I think about, you know, trying to explain it to, uh, uh some of, you know, my, my elders and, and grandparents or great grandparents and, you know, how would I break it down and explain it and to them, you know? Um, and I'm sure, you know, even some of the things I say, they're like, what? <laughs> what does that mean? So um, go, go back to the beginning. Hang on. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, I, 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 um, I enjoy doing that. I'm not really sure what, I'm not really sure where that comes from, but I think I've been doing that for just all my life um, in some yeah. in some form or fashion. Yeah, it sounds like it. And, you know, I definitely find your point about the rate of change very relatable. Um, I mean, we do a lot of social media marketing, for example, for our clients. And just, you know, the frequency with which, you know, the specs change and suddenly all the kind of technicalities of what's expected of you change. I mean, it is, it can feel really hard to keep up with. I mean, how do you approach that? Do you have any kind of processes or resources that you use to keep in touch with the change? I I do try to limit our scope uh, and my own scope to a few tools um, I, I find at least for me, and this is what I advise my clients is don't try to learn everything. Don't try to be on every social media. Um, you know, if, because it's hard to sustain, it's just really hard to sustain. Yeah. And it's really hard. You know, if you're always on every, you know, you're on Twitter, you're on Facebook, you're on Pinterest, you're on, you know, you're, you're on Instagram, you're on everything. <laughs> Um, first of all, how do you have time to work and really focus on that? But how do you, how do you keep up? Can you really be an expert in all of them as they change? So I, I just think it's better to pick one or two, you know, maybe three, but, and try to really nail those if you find that that's where your audience is. And, um, and I think the same with, with tools, you know, find the ones that really drive your business and impact your business. And, yeah. and focus on those because the others are probably not going, you're probably not going to see the return on that investment and, uh, and it can drive you crazy. <laughs> that, there's that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. Kind of speaking of which, so you've gotten really involved with MailChimp as a kind of MailChimp specialist and you're also on their customer advisory board now. I mean, how did you get, get involved with MailChimp? I, I actually, um, you know, heard of MailChimp probably 20 years ago is, is when um, I learned when I was uh, in school years back and uh, first heard of it. And one of my uh, professors at the time, I think, was was working at MailChimp. And so that was when I first heard about it. And later on, I started using it to market my own business and just learn more about it and dived into it once I figured out that you could really impact your sales through a relatively small investment, uh, way less than what we were paying for social media ads. And and the return was better than the, than the social media ads for us. So um, I really just kind of jumped in with both feet and tried to learn as much as I could and um, and then later, once I decided to start to become a consultant, 
that just made sense too. I mean, it was something I already knew and understood and could communicate to my clients the the benefits of email marketing and and Mailchimp was you know my preferred tool at that time, so it just it just made sense. Interesting. And how did you kind of get involved with the customer advisory board specifically? So that was um, that's uh, an appoint- appointment by Mailchimp. I mean, it's it's invitation by Mailchimp, and um, you know they. Uh, through some evaluation process that I'm not privy to, <laughs> um, you know, was was invited to join the board, and uh, it's been a wonderful experience. I mean, I I uh, thoroughly enjoy working with the folks at Mailchimp. Um, they this this has, you know, I it's really refreshing to have uh, communication with a company that values its partners and um, values discussion and listening uh, and communication with its partners. So it's it's just been a great experience. Wonderful. That's fantastic to hear. Um, you also do a lot of work with nonprofits in your business. Is that right? I do. I have several nonprofit clients and um and that's been that's another part of my job that I really enjoy. Um, I you know obviously can't work with can't work with every nonprofit, and uh, but there are a few that we work with that I really feel like they're making a difference in in people's lives and um, making a difference for their members. And so we play just a small part in that and helping them meet their marketing objectives. But it's it's a really cool feeling, gratifying to know that in some small way, we're uh, a part of that, that effort to help people just be better people and live better lives. That's um, one of the things I really enjoy. Definitely. And it sounds like, you know, it's really important to you that your business can give back. You know, I mean, sometimes, you know, it might be easier to just say, oh, we'll do a volunteering day or we'll do a fun run in in terms of you know just to support support a nonprofit or something like that but it sounds like you know for you giving your giving your time and your expertise has been much more rewarding you know honestly I just don't have a ton of extra time so for me now I do some volunteer work personally but not nearly probably as much as I would like to do if I were say retired (laughs) um (laughs) So uh, this being able to work with the nonprofits allows me to kind of channel that desire to to support different communities that I may not otherwise have the time to do. Yeah, I'm really interested. Your business has such a lovely name, Pure Firefly. Can you tell me about some of the the inspiration behind that? Yes. Um, I, when I started my first business several years ago, I felt often felt like I was, you know, there was so much I didn't know and was so much I was trying to learn. And I often felt like I was just completely in the dark trying to figure out what to do next. And so when I decided to start this business, I named it Pure Firefly. And the firefly was the, the important part for me because I wanted our work to be a light in the dark for business owners and entrepreneurs who are 
just trying to figure this thing out and, you know, sometimes feeling like they're in the darkness and just looking for the light. And so, you know, a firefly just represents a small light that can maybe help lead the way for a little bit and and uh, support the journey of small business owners. That's really lovely. That's um, no seriously nice to hear. And I suppose, you know, when you first set out as a small business, you might have wanted perhaps an agency like yours now to kind of help you along and be that be that light in the dark. Yes, yes, that's uh, yeah. <laughs> I I try every day, and it's not to say that that I succeed. And I try to encourage our team as well to be the consultant that we would want to be, you know, if we were hiring us, like who, who would we want to work with? Who would we want us to, how would we want us to react or respond? And um, that's really important to me. And, and, you know, by no means are we perfect and we don't always get it right, but um, there is a concerted effort to try to be um, that empathetic marketer as, as we've talked about. Definitely. And, you know, when you started out with your with your first business, did you find that there were many kind of, you know, when you were experiencing challenges, were there many kind of people out there who you could turn to to help? I, I definitely have a, a network of uh, other business owners, um, you know, mentors in, in various industries. I do think that every entrepreneur, every entrepreneur's journey is unique and, and very personal. So um, it's all, I think it's good to have that support and to have people you can turn to. But I also think that it's, um, I think sometimes it's a little romanticized, the whole, you know, owning a business and then you, you just get a mentor and then they give you all the answers and then you just, you know, everything is, <laughs> is perfect after that. And it, it doesn't work that way, at least in my experience, you know, you still got to um, go through some trials and learn some lessons and, and no one person is going to have all the answers. So, um, I think it's good to have support so you don't just feel totally alone and, and despair, but, um, but knowing going into it that there's going to be some things that you just have to, you have to learn on your own, just kind of walk through the fire. Definitely. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> there aren't any days off as a small business owner, right? <laughs> right. Nope. No days off. And when, you know, when it did get challenging as well, I mean, obviously, you know, your business now it kind of shows, shows the purpose of keeping going. But how did you, I mean, you've got to be quite resilient, right? How did you kind of keep yourself going and at it even when things were hard? Um, I, you know, just the support, like we've mentioned, and having encouragement from family and friends, I think is important. Um, I also think it's important to be realistic. I mean, if, if it's, if it's not working, it's not working. I mean, if it's, if, you know, something has reached its natural conclusion, then that can be a hard, uh, thing to accept too, but you know, that's okay. All businesses aren't meant to, meant to last forever. And sometimes it's, it's time to stop. Sometimes it's time for a change and, and that can be difficult. I think entrepreneurs in general, like we're, we're people who are optimistic and uh, about a lot of things. And, and especially um, when it comes to our own dreams and our own visions. So um, that can be a, a difficult thing to say, because we don't want to give up. We don't like giving up. We don't like uh, 
you know, we, we like a challenge. That's why you get into this is because you like the, the challenge of it all. But, but sometimes it's time to say, you know, this is good. And I've done all that I can do and it's time to do something else. Yeah. No, it must be, it's such a hard decision to make, but it sounds like it's all kind of part of, <laughs> part of the journey. Yeah. That's where Christy and I wrapped up our conversation. But in the short time since recording, Christy has had a great new opportunity come up and asked if we could catch up so that you can hear all about it. Well, so it's been a little bit since we caught up last time. And I know that you've had some exciting opportunities um, coming your way. So so what's next for you? What have you got on the horizon? So I am very excited about an event that's happening October 4th through the 6th. I will be leading one of the panel discussions for a MailChimp event called Guess Less and Sell More. And it's all about supporting business owners to make the most out of the holidays. And we're going to help you walk through the tools, latest MailChimp tools, and give everyone a chance to learn from other MailChimp customers and experts. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Oh, that's so exciting. So, you know, that, that's such, I think that's such an interesting angle because Christmas and the holiday period generally are such an important time for small businesses. But it must be, I mean, it must just be so difficult as if you don't have, you know, enough on personally in the run up to the holiday period. I mean, it must just sometimes feel like so difficult to kind of seize that opportunity and get ahead. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think as small business owners, we tend to wear like a hundred different hats at one time. And so sometimes sitting down to really get focused on the holidays when it's early fall can be challenging because we're trying to do so much and and often with a very limited budget, sometimes it's just us. Sometimes it's just one person trying to do all these things. So it can feel overwhelming at times or sometimes you think well I've got time this is October yeah. <laughs> you know Black Friday is eight weeks away yeah six weeks away Christmas is you know whatever 10 weeks away so you know there's that feeling that you have more time maybe than you actually do <laughs> uh, it can sneak up on you <laughs> it, can, it totally sneak up on you so even if business owners aren't able to necessarily implement this right away or execute all of the recommendations right away. I recommend this because one, it's free, right? So yeah. <laughs> it's virtual. <laughs> so it, you know, you can make easily, I don't say easily, but you can make time for this in your schedule. You don't have to travel sure. anywhere. Uh, it fits in the budget again, cause it's free and <laughs> you get to hear from experts in all different uh, roles, from all different roles in the marketing space. So I think, you know, this can be something to help take some of the stress away and also give you a leg up for the holiday season. Learn some different tools, learn some different techniques, level up your marketing game this season and just make the most out of it. Totally. I mean, it sounds, you know, it sounds invaluable, to be honest, to kind of bring together all of this kind of collective wisdom. And, you know, if you are a one man band, you've got someone who can kind of come and, you know, you can benefit from from their advice for free, as you say. I mean, it must be. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think it just must be so, so, so great for small businesses. So that sounds fantastic. And um, I think, you you know, you make such a good point about small business owners very often having to wear 
loads and loads of hats, right? And that must be, well, for a lot of women, I'd imagine that's particularly true for female small business owners when you are trying to kind of manage so much. I mean, do you think that there are kind of unique challenges perhaps for women small business owners as as compared to, you know, small business owners in general? I I do. I think if you are trying to juggle your personal professional goals as a woman business owner, uh, there there are some unique differences to our male counterparts, meaning uh, we tend to have more family responsibilities. Sure. When it comes to children, uh, women are still primarily a lot of the family responsibilities tend to fall on the woman. Um, even, you know, this, the, a lot of us have aging parents, right? And, and a lot of us are, are focused on that um, and juggling that with our family life or with our professional life. That's whether you're single or married or have children or not children. I think a lot of that responsibility still falls on women. And totally. So having to be able to, you know, being able to juggle those can be challenging, but I think it can also be educational in the sense that because we're so used to having to manage so many different parts of our life, that can translate to being an entrepreneur where you have to be able to manage so many different parts of the business. Both can be stressful. (laughs) Both, Both can be stressful, but if you are able to come away with some sense of balance and that is like a daily journey it's not something that you get you know on Tuesday and then you're just good for the rest of your life that's like a daily decision a daily journey but if you're able to maintain that or manage it uh, grow from that and learn from that in your personal life I do think that that translates to business and I think that that's something that women business owners are in a unique position to um to capitalize on definitely I mean you know they do say like if you want <laughs> if you want if you want to get something done ask a woman yeah. <laughs> you know take, <laughs> totally. take take Christmas as an example the, or the holiday season generally I mean you know rightly or wrongly women do take on a disproportionate amount of kind of unpaid care work unpaid kind of organizational and like family life regardless of whether you have children or not so very often you know, if I presumably if you're a small business owner and a woman, you're kind of simultaneously trying to organize, say, you know, the holiday season for everybody. And you've got a very important role in that whilst also trying to get your business ready for that, which is notoriously, you know, so busy and challenging. I mean, that, that work life balance thing, I think it's I think it's one of the central struggles for a lot of women these days I mean have you, you you know you mentioned it was a journey have you kind of found that balance a little bit better have you learned anything I think I have learned and it definitely has come with age and experience I would say I wish <laughs> I wish I had learned this like 20 years ago but for me I have learned that I have to make time to work out I have yeah. to make time to be quiet and meditate I have to make time for family, and and that can be difficult as uh, as a business owner. And you know, honestly, all of us, even if you're not a business owner, these these are challenges that we all experience, particularly as a business owner, because there is so much responsibility on me to make sure that the business is running well, that the business stays healthy, to put out fires if there there are fires of the day, 
and I have a responsibility to my team. I also have to remember I have a team outside of business, which is my family, my friends, um, you know, people I have relationships with, professional relationships with, and that team has to be just prioritized just as much as the business team. And then my own personal mental health and physical health and things like that. I can't manage the business or grow the business if I myself am not in a good, healthy place. So that has really, the that realization and the commitment to that has really helped me in setting the boundaries. Again, this is a daily journey. <laughs> so, <Sure. laughs> you know, the boundaries kind of uh, expand and contract depending on what's going on in my life at the time and what's going on with the business at the time. But I do think, you know, in, in terms of expanding the boundaries, there is a point where, it, it, you know, I just don't let it expand past this boundary because I know sure. that I can't be the best uh, business owner or the best person if I'm not taking care of these other things in, in my life. But that did come through, you know, I, I, there are many weeks that I worked, you know, 80 hours, convinced wow. that the more that I worked, the better you know, business yeah. was going to be and, and that this was the right thing to do. And everybody in the end was going to think I was a great person because I did all this hard work. And, you know, I, I just learned that that for me anyway, that may be the way for, for others. So I can't speak for others and their journey, but for me that, that didn't work. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, I'm with you. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because we can put so much pressure on ourselves and actually, I think one of the things that I've kind of learned from others around me, less so than my own experience, maybe, but sometimes, you know, it's a hard fact, but the more work you put into something, as you said, it doesn't necessarily mean that the output's going to be better. And it doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to, you know, notice you more or give you a round of applause for that. So as long as, you know, the ship's still sailing and you're still <laughs> going in the right direction, it is, it's so important to kind of protect the other things that matter so much. Um, you sent me, and thank you, a, such an interesting fact that I would just love to talk about quickly. Um, I'll just read it out if that's okay. So there are more than 11 million women owning small businesses in the US. And of those women small business owners, 50% of them are women of color. 44% of them also have children under the age of 18. So it's so interesting because that means that by supporting women-owned businesses, you're also supporting families. So again, that kind of ties back to what to what we were talking about about you know having to juggle so many so many things. Uh, I just I just found that really really fascinating. Yeah, I think that that was fascinating for me too. And and the conclusion that when you're supporting women-owned businesses, that you're also supporting families kind of hit home for me too. Um, Cause that's something that everyone I think can, can understand and want to support. It's not necessarily something you think about when you think about supporting women business owners. We're not always thinking about all the families that are impacted by those women business owners. And it, it truly is a trickle effect uh, to families. So yeah, that was really interesting to me too. Totally. And it is, I think, particularly as well, I know we've we've had a chat, you know, before we started recording, but particularly when women are perhaps less likely to actually seek out more kind of formal 
structures of funding and that kind of thing. I mean, I think, you know, women-owned businesses could use all of the support when when perhaps we're not as comfortable going out and asking for that support more explicitly. I was blown away by that. And uh, I, I did, I saw that statistics, we talked about it earlier, that uh, 25, only 25% of women-owned businesses pursue or, or request funding. And I know there's a lot of push in for a lot of capital right now for women um, business owners or access to capital for women-owned businesses, which is great. I'm glad that that is becoming more and more common to see organizations that are supportive of uh, providing access to capital for women business owners. But the interesting part of that stat, the really interesting part is that only 25% of women request it. And I... I truly believe <laughs> that that is because women are so used to not having access to capital and just having to make it work. And um, despite the obstacles, despite the no's and the doors not being open right away, you know, we have that drive and determination and, and are able to succeed in so many ways and so many areas of our lives personally that that probably translates to, to businesses as well. Totally. I mean, it is, you know, it's a really admirable, applaudable trait that women are so independent, that we are so, you know, able to kind of take stuff under control um, and, and, and define our own parts and make stuff work, as you say. But it's also, I mean, it kind of sucks, right? That like, yeah, <laughs> we feel so, it almost sometimes, you know, feels so pointless, the idea that you would ask for funding that you wouldn't bother to do it. I mean, I suppose that's why it's so important to also see women-owned businesses and, you know, female entrepreneurs who are actually succeeding and are giving, you know, more of a more of a positive message about the fact that you, you can succeed and you can do that too. I mean, were there any women business owners in your life as you as you grew up and kind of figure, were figuring out what you wanted to do that particularly inspired you? So I, I don't have, I did not have a lot of business owners in my life growing up, I did have, uh, you know, several people in my family were involved in multi-level marketing. And I saw that as, and it wasn't necessarily their full-time job. It was, you know, maybe their side hustle, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it, but I did in, in seeing that and being exposed to that in my, uh, in my circle, my family and some family friends, what I was able to take from that is that if you, are not if you're doing something that is kind of your own and that you, you can make your own schedule and have some control over your own destiny, meaning you know if you sell more product or you or you recruit more people into the multi-level marketing, then your success can can change or your success can go in a different direction. And for me, you know as I was working through various jobs, traditional jobs, that became more appealing to me to be able to have more control over my own destiny and my own, the flexibility that I wanted over my own schedule. So, you know, being able to work remotely anywhere, uh, you know, on the planet that has internet access, basically, and still being able to succeed, still being able to connect with other people, um, still being able to hire, a, you know, a remote team and, and make that work, that, that, has always been very appealing to me. 
Um, initially growing up, I wanted to, I did not want any parts of being a business owner. I mean, my ideal job was one where I had some level of flexibility, but I definitely wanted the consistency of that paycheck every Friday or every other yeah. Friday or, you know, knowing that, that when it hits that direct deposit, <laughs> you, know, you know, exactly, you know, what's going to be in your account. And over time, you know, as I began to learn more about myself and what I wanted next for this next phase of my life, it just became clear that owning a business was the way to go for me. And what about, you know, women business owners more generally, you know, perhaps outside of your own life? Was there anyone in particular that inspired you or that you admire? Yes, I, I would say Madam C.J. Walker is an inspiration to me. She was the child of former slaves and her siblings were born as slaves. And this, you know, was before um, the slaves are freed in the U.S., but she had no formal education, um, obviously faced a lot of, uh, I mean, there was so much going on right after slavery ended in, in the U.S. here and um, just went through so many trials. I think, she, you know, she ended up being a single parent, single mom for, for much of her life, even though she was married a few times um, and had some support from her husband's. But the things that she was able to do from a business perspective with, you know, having no education, no sales training, no MBA, um, you know, very little infrastructure at that time to support minority-owned businesses and women-owned businesses at a time where it was illegal uh, in many states, if not all states, to, to even learn to read and write. I just think it's just amazing. And she became uh, an entrepreneur and who was very successful at selling African-American hair care products. And um, just the thing that she was able to do, I think if she was able to do what she did at such a young age, I mean, I think she died in her 50s. So she created wow. this, this empire in her 30s and 40s. And if she was able to overcome all of the challenges that she was able to overcome, you know, it just inspires me. I, 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 yeah. I can't, um, you know, I can't complain about anything. <laughs> you know? like, um, yeah. I get frustrated. There's some days I get frustrated. There's other days where I'm like, you know, can I keep doing this? Yeah. yeah. I think about CJ Walker. Yeah. I can keep doing oh, this. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a great role model. I think is that, I think I remember seeing the, the Netflix show yes. that was based on her. I mean, on I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how historically accurate that was, but you know, it really struck me that the complete resilience and determination, and even when things went, you know, horrendously wrong in her business, you know, it's that ability to kind of, as we were saying earlier, make it work, bounce back, try to, you know, find a way that is yeah. such a, I mean, such a testament to, you know female entrepreneurship and the roots of you know as you said african-american female entrepreneurship i mean that is you know you you couldn't ask for a better role model <laughs> yes i agree totally fantastic now that you are you know you're a really experienced entrepreneur i know you've you know owned multiple businesses by this point i mean you know if you could offer that one piece of advice for other women who either have just started a small business or are thinking about starting a small business, what, what would that advice be? 
I, I think after seeing that statistic that only 25% of women request funding, one of my <laughs> pieces of advice is go request that funding. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, there's more opportunities today than there ever have been. Hopefully there will be even more in the future, but the opportunities are growing more for women every day. So uh, even if you don't think you will be approved, even if you don't think you'll get it right, that maybe you don't have all the qualifications yet, go through the process. Just learn about what you, because every time you try, you learn. And so it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get approved on the first round or the first application. It may take a hundred applications, or maybe you just do two applications and then you figure out you don't need the funding. Um, but I would say God, what's, it can't hurt to apply. Sure. And, and just see where it goes. I think the process itself would be an education. So that's one thing that I would recommend. But I'd also, you know, just recommend doing a little bit of research. I'm a data person. Do some research in, in what you want to build the business on, uh, what you're interested in, what's going to be profitable or not profitable. And and then just go from there. Because I, I, I am envious of, of women that I know who knew in their 20s that they wanted to build a business. Like they knew, some of them knew as teenagers that 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 was their destiny. And if you know at 17, I say, go for it. You know, try it. While you have low, you don't have a lot of bills, you know, you don't have a lot of responsibilities. Maybe you can live at home for a while and and just go for it. Because, you know, to know that that early, I think is is a wonderful thing. And you've got time to try and fail and try and fail and try and succeed, you know. Um, as you get older, sometimes it gets harder as you have more and more responsibilities because you have think more things to manage. And often you have more to lose if things don't go well, but you also have the wisdom that you may not have had earlier in life. And that can definitely be a benefit. So whatever age you are, whatever point you are in your life, whatever season this is, uh, I'd say, you know, do some research. Certainly try to make sure that the time and the effort that you're going to invest is going to pay off. And, and then once you've done that, go for it. That's fantastic. Let's uh, let's turn that stuff upside down. Let's get more female business owners. Let's get, let's get some funding. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the next time we have this <laughs> conversation. Yeah. yeah. We want to make sure that stat is up. Totally. We're going to we're going to do a part two. We're going to check in. Go ask yeah. for funding. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Christy, for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Christy and her business, go to purefirefly.com. And if you'd like to hear Christy speak at the Guess Less and Sell More event, it's on between the 4th and the 6th of October. You can find more details about how to sign up in the show notes. If you'd like to get in touch to share your thoughts about this episode, or even if you'd like to come on the show yourself, you can contact us through Twitter and LinkedIn. You'll find us at Earnest Agency. I've been your host, Beatrice Alabaster. Our producer is Steve Spicer. And 43% and Rising is brought to you by Earnest, the award-winning agency chasing the humdrum out of B2B marketing.